It is actually very routine. This is Damien Glendening. It's routine for the person doing it. Obviously, you don't tend to have it twice. Damien's a retired treasurer now based in the south of France and is currently recovering from a cataract operation. <laughs> Once for each eye. Because <laughs> problems with eyes is that you know, it's a bit sensitive. <laughs> Cataracts may seem like an unlikely place to begin a podcast about the future of Treasury, but it serves to prove an important point. That experience and clear vision provide us with important lessons for the future of Treasury. This is because a whole host of new technology, blockchain, cloud technology, digital payments and more are beginning to infiltrate everyday life. In Treasury, this technology is transformative, upending antiquated ways of working and providing much needed clarity for Treasurers. But how easy is it for older, more established companies to adopt all this newfangled tech out there today? I'm Kanika Seigel, and I will be presenting the latest series of Treasury and Turbulence, Next Generation Treasury. And in this first episode, I speak to treasurers, past and present, about how their role is changing, how technology is making their lives easier, and all the new challenges emerging at the same time. This podcast is supported by City. As a global bank with the largest proprietary network, City supports clients in more than 160 countries and jurisdictions. City's mission is to responsibly provide financial services that enable growth and economic progress. Stay tuned for City's in-house view with their global head of Treasury and Trade Solutions, Shamir Kalik, with Euromoney's Duncan Care later in the episode. I actually ended up becoming an accountant. And I got into that because I, during the holidays I was working on a company that made septic tanks out of glass fibre. Damien Glendening. Which is exactly how you get into Treasury. The boss of the company said, well, what are you going to do with your languages when you finish? Because it's great being able to speak languages, but uh, you need a, a profession. From septic tanks to cataracts, Damien has had a fruitful life and career. And although Damien is technically retired, he is still very much involved in all things Treasury. Right now, he is acting chairman of the advisory board at Complex Countries, a global treasury intelligence network which publishes reports and hosts peer-to-peer calls for treasurers to discuss what is spurring change in the industry. He is up to date on all the latest innovation and regulation in treasury and has very strong opinions on everything. Uh, Certainly one of my views is that there's a lot of work which is not necessary. A lot of time and effort goes into gathering data. You've got lots of different data sources. The data, which should be the same, isn't. There's gaps. There's things that's included in one data set that are not included in another. Uh, And when they should be the same, they're different because something's gone wrong. So an awful lot of time goes into gathering data, checking it, correcting it, reconciling it. And by the way, this also introduces a delay, which means that you're usually dealing with data that's not accurate anymore. So I think one of the key challenges that companies face for the future and therefore treasurers face for the future is using the technology to eliminate that. For Damien, this is what treasury has always been about, rationalising data to make treasury function much more efficiently. There are a few standard ways that corporate treasurers can do this. One way might be to contract the services of a transaction bank to implement and manage things like cash management, accounts receivables, accounts payables, liquidity management and more. For the larger, more creditworthy companies out there, this is a viable option. 
but another solution would be to buy a Treasury Management System, or TMS. Companies like Fiserv, Oracle, SAP and numerous others all guarantee to make the job of a corporate treasurer easier by providing a one-stop shop or single vendor solution to support business and provide data visibility. Smaller companies and SMEs may be more inclined to buy a TMS system, given that transaction banking services may be a little bit out of reach. But depending on the company, you could also get these hybrid solutions. And this was the case for Damien back in the 2000s when he worked at IBM. Doing the normal plain vanilla cash management stuff, which is what a lot of TMSs did at the time, wasn't good enough. Yeah, we needed more sophisticated stuff. The bank systems were just too much. So we kind of ended up being in a no man's land in the middle. And what had actually happened is that we had basically taken a system that had originally been designed for a bank. It was called System 10. And we'd kind of adapted it to our needs, but we'd kind of got as far as we could. In 2005, Lenovo bought IBM's PC business, a deal that would catapult Lenovo overnight from a Chinese-based business into a huge multinational with operations in 165 countries. And this actually provided a unique opportunity for Damien, an opportunity that would allow him to set up a whole new treasury system from scratch. We were going to set up a clone of IBM's treasury system in Lenovo. And I said, no, no, you can't do that. (laughs) It's already too complex and cumbersome for IBM. And by the way, most people in IBM treasury completely agreed with that assessment. I said, but Lenovo can't do that. So in the end, actually, Lenovo said, well, why don't you join us and do this? And I got the chance to start with a complete clean slate, a complete clean piece of paper. And so I was able to set up a structure which was totally different and which wasn't encumbered by all the stuff that comes from the past. Because any organization, you've got the heritage that has to be managed. We didn't have one. And it enabled me to set up something which I think even today, we haven't really changed it fundamentally. Many other companies look at this with envy and say, we wish we did that. Without being lumbered by legacy infrastructure, Damien leveraged the latest technology and solutions at the time to create a customised treasury management system. But not all treasurers are this lucky. Established companies will have to deal with legacy infrastructure in one way or another. But what about new businesses that are either starting out online or those that are accelerating their digital transformation? Fueled by the global pandemic, retail has shifted from the high street to the internet. In the UK alone, 85,000 companies launched online stores or joined online marketplaces during the first lockdown. The explosion of e-commerce and the transition towards an online-first approach for business has led to a number of changes in accounting processes. Firstly, it has shifted treasury management services to the cloud, so companies no longer need to install physical software onto IT systems to make sense of all of their accounts. It means that updates are made in real time and can be accessed anywhere in the world if you have the right login details. In general, it is considered a much more flexible way to manage treasury. Secondly, because a lot of these new e-commerce players are just starting out, they don't need the full suite of treasury products on offer from the larger TMS providers. You might hear some treasurers talk about kind of a big bang solution versus a best of breed approach. And I think back then, um, a lot of folks were really going for the big bang approach. This is Kristen Mashad. 
Kristen heads up InBlock at LiquidX. So let's try to get one provider that can support everything in one system. Um, not that one's right or wrong for a company, but um, I think, you know, hindsight, I look back and I do think this best of breed approach is probably more um, kind of contemporary, right? As we're, you know, I have the ability to look back over a career and decisions that have been made. InBlock is a product that uses a whole host of technology, including distributed ledger technology, to turn invoices, purchase orders and other trade documents into digital assets, automating the working capital cycle for corporates, a topic we will get into later in the series. Today, Kristen sells these solutions to corporate treasurers, but in a past life, she was a treasurer at IBM for 10 years and then GE for another 10 before she headed to LiquidX in 2020. At one point at IBM, Damien was actually her boss. I had the pleasure of reuniting them both over Zoom a few weeks ago. Good to see you. Hi, Damien. It's so nice to see you. After 17 years. Last time we worked together was on the Lenovo divestiture. They had some interesting stuff to catch up on. There were other interesting issues, the main one being that uh, all the development was done by a fantastic guy. Uh, He was really brilliant. Uh, But he smoked about 60 cigarettes a day. And uh, he didn't document anything. So <laughs> it's true. So what he did was brilliant, but uh, it didn't actually it didn't perfectly meet IBM's somewhat exacting in-house standards for documentation and testing and and resilience. <laughs> At the end of the day, our documentation was Michelle's memory, and Michelle wasn't really into dealing with the complexities of IBM's data management system. So I mean, that was another challenge. <laughs> So what happened to him? What happened to him? He ended up passing away right in the middle of switching systems. Yeah, so what was our fear and, you know, ended up... As Kristen and Damien reminisced about the good and not so good times at IBM, the conversation moved towards how companies are shifting from a big bang approach, where one vendor provides all of the solutions, to a best in breed approach where companies pick and choose the services they need and buy them on a case-by-case basis from multiple companies. And given Kristen's experience as a treasurer before and on the product development side now, she can see the benefit of creating niche products for niche problems. The challenge is, is there might be areas of a big product that are important to you. And if that's not important to that vendor, then they sometimes lag in the development cycle, right? And so as you're growing your business and there's complexity, that might not be the functionality in a big system that is kind of the focus for that vendor. Whereas with like best of breed, you're really going out and picking, I want the best cash management system. I want my best investment platform. I want to blend in like the banking products, a banking portal for these three things. Um, the offshoot of that is that there's some complexity in making all those systems talk together, right? Fintechs have responded by creating a plethora of standalone products using all the new technology available to them. And TMS vendors and banks have caught on, partnering or acquiring fintechs that complement their existing business and providing standalone solutions as well as their full suite of products. So you would think that would be it then. Well, unfortunately not. I went to Sarah Lawrence, which is a liberal arts college, where I thought I was going to either be a writer or a probably psychiatrist or immunologist or something, because that's what... Sarah Lawrence people do. This is Trish Fisher, assistant treasurer at WeWork based in New York. That's kind of just how we roll. So by the end of my 
junior year, a very dear friend of mine in college said, hey, we have this opening to be the treasurer of the of the student body. And seeing as how everyone on this campus is like a dancer or an artist, and this role requires you to know what Microsoft Excel is. And like, we're fairly certain you're the only person on campus that knows what Excel is other than the thing that looks like word for boxes. Do you want it? Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. I, I, I love me a good spreadsheet, you know. <laughs> a self-confessed spreadsheet nerd, so, this experience, uh, like using spreadsheets in university, qualified Trish for her first job in Treasury. Also, she says. Since then, Trish has used a number of different Treasury management systems, from the original Excel spreadsheet to some of the more modern cloud-based solutions. Nine times out of ten, you're not going to find the Treasury staff who are super users in the TMS you've decided to purchase. And, and it's a difficult thing. I, I've had a lot of conversations with people who have asked my opinions on, you know, which TMS is right for my company. And they'll say, well, is this one good? Is that one good? How did you find the implementation experience? And those are two very different questions. You can have a phenomenal product, but if you implement it poorly, you might as well have bought the cheapest, worst product under the sun. Her main issue with all of them is that outsourcing any treasury solution will never be the perfect solution. This is because treasurers will never have full control over software as a service, or SaaS for short, given that it is a licensed product acquired on a subscription basis and is centrally hosted. Right. So when you've got a web-based treasury system versus something that you can install locally on your servers, you don't have a choice in the matter because you need to stick to the confines of the SaaS solutions, you know, environment, provisions, all that stuff. Um, so to that end, that SaaS provider will likely have a set group of folks that they certify as allowed to install or implement their product. So unless you go in already certified in that product because you happens to be a consultant in another life, you you can't. You simply can't do it that way. My dream is to be that person who's the in-house guru for the, the build and the process and the oversight and the everything. Um, and quite honestly, that's I'm very blessed that that's basically where my team is heading right now as we have our consultants who are slowly rolling off. For Trish, the perfect treasury solution is one that is custom made and created in-house. Hi, I'm Christopher Van Wart. I lead product risk and strategy at Stripe. So maybe if we go all the way back, I think my first aspiration was to be a, a garbage man, which is, is quite distinct from uh, where I've ended up in, in the risk space and, and finance space. But uh, always looked really fun driving around on, on garbage trucks and hanging out on the backside. But uh, obviously my mom sold me out of that, you know, that the odors and whatnot was a concern. Stripe was already five years old when Chris joined the company in 2015. But there wasn't much in terms of a formal treasury management system. So Chris rolled up his sleeves and, with a few others, built the systems that they use today. Coming into Stripe, I mean, there obviously was no treasury function formally at the time. So we, we spun one up when, when I joined and it was myself and, and a, a couple or a few treasury engineers that just uh, the, the four of us sat in a row. Uh, started defining what treasury at, at Stripe would look like, uh, what the systems, what the process would be. And obviously working with the engineers was was very aligned with the money movement and, and thinking about, you know, uh, the reconciliations, how we how we move money more more quickly, the working capital considerations in doing so. Uh, but beyond that, obviously went above and beyond as far as the money flow and thought about balance sheet strategy, capital planning, liquidity uh, position and and much more. 
so it was was uh, very nascent. Uh, it was really a cool opportunity to start it from scratch, and uh, doing it through the in a partnership with the engineers was a very unique opportunity. And that's the ways that I thought about Treasury and them having a fresh pair of eyes with a much more technical background. It was much more you know software and technology driven as far as like oh we need to do these things. Well, it's like well we'll solve for that in the code, right? And we'll build these systems that can handle significant amounts of volume in a in a much more scalable way. Chris found himself in the enviable position, where the company he worked for had no treasury system in place, was interested in using technology, even encouraged the use of new tech to solve problems, and brought in all the expertise it needed to do this in-house. To this day, and certainly at the time referred to, is that payments and a lot of this money flow is not necessarily rooted in finance, but it's rooted in technology. And, you know, if you step away from thinking about that, you're actually moving money and you're in, you're instead thinking about moving abstractions of value, which are just digits, right? It does become a big data problem uh, as far as, you know, reconciling the digits that are flying through the system, so to speak. Um, And all of that can be systematized uh, very scalably from day one if you, if you have the opportunity to do so. The treasury problem, how to rationalize, store and share data has stayed the same. The tools that treasurers have That's what's changed. But what epitomizes next generation treasury is where a treasurer doesn't just implement a shiny new treasury management system, but actually builds their own system from start to finish. This makes the next generation treasurer more like an engineer than an accountant. Someone who has a clear vision of what they want to achieve and can design and construct systems that best serve the companies they work for. But these next generation treasurers well, they're few and far between. Yeah, so I'm Paul Christensen. I'm the co-founder and chief executive of Provise. Um, Provise is a London-based fintech that pulls data from corporates' historical invoices and uses machine learning algorithms to predict which invoices will be approved and paid by corporates to pay suppliers instantly. I think technology is absolutely key, but at the same time, technology, depending how it's delivered, is very hard for small and medium-sized businesses to adopt. And expensive, complicated, you know, you need resources. So, you know, blockchain, for example, blockchain is the perfect example. You know, it's a potentially a fantastic technology and, and potentially offers all kinds of savings and efficiencies, particularly for small and medium sized businesses, ultimately. But initially, the kind of resources and capacity and expertise you've got to have to adopt these things is hard. Technology <laughs> has all kinds of downsides as well. And in the space we're looking at, Every one of those large companies adopts all kinds of systems, their own, they choose. I want to use you know, SAP as my ERP system. I want to use Cooper for my spend management system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Companies and their corporate treasurers do not work in silos. They are only part of a huge network of suppliers and buyers, all at very different stages of development with unequal access to technology. So how easy is it for all these treasury systems to communicate with one another? Or is there a better option out there? Coming up in the next episode of Treasury and Turbulence, we take a deep dive into how blockchain and distributed ledger technology are changing the game. What can be done? Is technology the answer? My answer in short is yes, technology is absolutely the answer. It's meant to scare you because it is quite scary. So so what you're doing right now just through is you're creating what they call like a private wallet. Imagine a retail CBDC where your life savings were now controlled by your phone and then you lose your phone or forget your password. It's unthinkable. But until then, here's Duncan with the in-house view. 
Today, we are joined by Shamir Kalik, City's Global Head of Treasury and Trade Solutions, who, throughout the series, will be providing his insight and thoughts on the areas we cover. In this episode, Shamir and I discuss the ever-evolving function of Treasury and what the role of the Treasurer could look like in the future. Shamir, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Duncan. Great to be here. Look forward to our conversation. Shamir, the function and strategic importance of corporate treasury, together with the technologies involved, are very different from 10 years ago and certainly 25 years ago. How do you assess this transformation? And do you expect the next few years to be just as transformative? Great question. I'd say our generally our banking industry, the payments industry, the treasury side of it has always continued to evolve. And I would say the future or the current looks no different to what we've seen in the last 10 to 25 years. I think we've really digitized most of our offline experiences to online. Thanks to technology, we've made it easier to interact with each other. And hopefully our decisions that we make are faster and they're based on data, along with the computing power of AI ML really driving a lot of the change as well. So what I would say is the underpinning concept here is really data, where we're using, you know, petabytes of data. And frankly, data has had an effect as important. If, if I think back 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what steam did, what oil did, what automation did in the past decades, I think we're seeing the next evolution, which is all about data. It's all about connectivity. It's all about 24-7. It's all about now. We saw the dot-com effect in the 90s, the e-commerce boom in the 2000s, and then the entire digital business model, along with the digital experience underpinning that, really being driven home through this entire COVID environment we've lived through and continue to live through in the last 24 months. So I would say it's technology it's data enabled. And I would say, the, frankly, the changes for the future are going to be much faster than what we've seen, frankly, in the last 10 or 15 years. Focusing on the future, what existing or emerging trends and developments in corporate treasury are you most excited about because of their implications for shaping the future? Yeah, I talked about the changes we're going through. I talked about the changes our clients are going through. But I think it's also important to understand we all Um, operate in environments that are driven by financial market infrastructures. We all operate in environments that are driven by central banks, by governments, right? So we operate within sovereign guidelines of of running and managing and, and, you know, doing our day-to-day businesses. So as part of that, I would say, as all of the governments, as all of the countries around the globe, I would say the financial market infrastructure is also changing very fast. The governments have seen the changes. You know, if you think about the e-commerce model and what's happening in e-commerce, e-commerce is 24-7, e-commerce never sleeps. One of the things that we're seeing across the globe is governments are trying to change their banking models as well. So as you think about digitization opportunity, open banking, all governments asking for instant payments, you know, the ability for e-commerce to be integrated onto banking platforms, all of that effectively is change, which is going to continue to drive what I would call more digitization of the financial economy, while also driving financial inclusion. So all of these are what I would call positive steps that increase the potential for City to be a more empowering player on the global stage. Shamir, looking forward, can you give us an idea of what you think the corporate treasurer and the corporate treasury function might look like in the future? And how different might it be to today? 
what I see in here and how we help corporate treasurers generally do their jobs every day, I would say a few things. I think firstly, increasingly we see corporate treasurers uh, seeing the roles in their organizations between finance, sales, marketing, commerce, all of the lines between those various organizations are blurring as corporations look to see how they can add a little bit more top line revenue. So they look at all functions across the board. So corporate treasurer's roles are becoming even more important. I would also say I talked earlier about, you know, changing banking platforms around the globe. So the need to be 24-7 digital assets in an economy, new forms of money coming out. I would say all of those are trends that are potentially driving treasurers to think about new operating models. The last thing I would say is because treasurers and more and more companies are going global and operating in far more complex operating environments, operating across jurisdictions, I would say the need for treasurers to understand and the ability to manage their treasury across those jurisdictions, across those legal requirements is also pretty difficult task. So I think that's where I suspect partners such as City can come forth and actually help drive some of those conversations, helping drive a little bit more simplicity, a little bit more digitization, and frankly, faster execution across an evolving footprint, which is increasingly global. That's where we will end this episode. With thanks to Shamir for his insight and to City for its continued support of our Treasury in Turbulence podcast series. Thanks also, of course, to our series editor and presenter, Kanika Seigel, and the producer, Hunter Charlton.